Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindel. Today, we are assailing the 2000 horror sci fi slasher called Hollow Man, or as I like to call it, Bacon Bits Volume 1 The Porkening. <laughs> Where did you come up with that, Gabe? I don't understand. Why did I come up with that? Where? How? His know. his oh, okay. dick is out a lot in this movie. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, he, he just, like, he dissolves and, like, rebuilds, like, several times throughout this movie. So I was like, ah, bacon bits. Perfect. <laughs> All right. All right. So first and foremost, this is a movie podcast. If you don't know this movie this is a spoiler alert uh hollow man is definitely not a movie that you should see i don't think that it's something that is worthwhile it the only thing that's good about it is the visual effects the visual effects are still pretty impressive i think some of them look pretty bad but i mean it's still pretty impressive that's really the only reason that you should watch this movie otherwise it is a complete fucking waste of time it's not worthy of paul verhoeven's name <laughs> but all that being said if you don't give a shit and you want to hear us just make fun of this bad movie come with us I don't know what the fuck it's on, honestly, and then come back and listen to it. Without further ado, hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> when the leader of a team of scientists volunteers to be the test subject for their experiment in human invisibility, he slowly unravels and turns against them with horrific consequences. Damn. <laughs> I... Damn. I I think it's interesting. I mean, one of one of the biggest complaints that I have with this movie is just that he's a fucking dick throughout all of it. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I've met plenty of people that are hyper intelligent and plenty of researchers over the years, but this guy, he just takes it to this whole new level of dickishness. And like, he's like, if fucking, I don't know, if the if a missing Rolling Stone happened to have a PhD in chemical biology, that he would be this guy. <laughs> This movie is a Columbia TriStar Pictures release, so Sony, again. We've done several Sony movies, yeah, man. Maybe. We need to move away from them. <laughs> Just get some, some new material. Apparently. It is co-produced through Global Entertainment Productions, GmbH. Much to my surprise, there is absolutely no Sony product placement in this movie. Yay, for once I don't have to choke on Sony products. <laughs> Global Entertainment Productions, GmbH, has produced a lot of movies over the years. From the Jennifer Love Hewitt vehicle, Can't Hardly Wait, Jennifer Love Hewitt's I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, the horrifically bad Nick Cage movie called eight millimeter the dennis rodman classic called simon says oh, oh dear lord <laughs> dude i was thinking about him the other day and i was like what the fuck happened to dennis rodman other than the fact that he's like friends with kim jong-un like i don't know anything that he's doing like is he just retired or i have no fucking idea what's going on with dennis oh, yeah. rodman they also did the mel gibson body stacker called the patriot charlie's angels just goddamn man like that fucking remake make of charlie's name and they did a sequel to that too and then they did another fucking like reboot of it just reboot. recently yeah. and it failed and of course the academy award
award-winning movie Girl Interrupted. They haven't produced any movies since 2000's Vertical Limit, so maybe that's a good thing given the track record of this company. Side note, you remember Chris O'Donnell, Paul? Like, that was the last movie oh, that I remember wow. him in. Yeah, he kind of just <laughs> fell off the deep he, end, didn't he? He had a career at one point, and I don't know what the fuck happened to him. It was just like, he was being, he was like Josh Hartnett, that they were just like shoving him down everybody's throat, like, this is the new heartthrob, you're all gonna love him. <laughs> and he just looks like a fucking paint salesman. He doesn't look like a heartthrob. So I'm like, okay, whatever. But like, he's not around anymore, man. I don't know what the fuck happened to him. But this movie is produced mm-hmm. by a few people. First and foremost is Stacy Lundbrezer, who produced director Paul Verhoeven's previous movie, Starship Troopers. I know that's one of your favorites, Paul. (laughs) Honestly, I wish we could talk about that instead of this movie. (laughs) I mean, feel feel free to draw parallels between Hollow Man and Starship Troopers or, you know, any similarities you might see. But other than Hollow Man and Starship Troopers, she hasn't produced anything else. Her only other official credit beyond special thanks credits was for Verhoeven's 1995 abomination known as Showgirls, where she served as, quote, assistant to Mr. Verhoeven. End quote. Uh, Amongst the producers as well is Alan Marshall, whose career has some pretty interesting movies as well. Like Stacy, he produced Starship Troopers as well as Showgirls. He also produced the Sylvester Stallone classic Cliffhanger, which side note trivia here, at one time had an NC-17 rating for how fucking violent it was. What? They had had to cut it. I don't want to see that cut. I know, man. Like, (laughs) I don't. There's like an unrated version out there, but it's not. I I didn't think that it was NC-17 level violence, but you know, I mean, I don't. I don't know if that was the one that they were trying to rate NC-17 or what. Alan also produced some classics over the years with Basic Instinct, Jacob's Ladder, Angel Heart with Robert De Niro and Mickey Rourke, which is still probably my personal favorite Satan in all of movie history, is fucking Robert De Niro in that movie. He is fantastic. And and he did Pink Floyd's The Wall, which I don't know if you saw that, but that's one of the most surreal, like, fucked up movies I've seen in a really long time. Like, that movie gave me nightmares for a while. And... And 1978's classic Midnight Express, which permanently scarred me in its portrayal of prison violence. That was like the first movie that I saw where it was like real prison violence, you know? And like, <laughs> yeah. that movie fucked me up pretty badly. Alan also hasn't produced a movie since Hollow Man, so hopefully this isn't his last movie because wow. fuck, man. This movie know? ended a lot of careers, apparently. I guess. Mm-hmm. Marion Rosenberg serves as executive producer. You'll know Marion from the two classic films, The Deer Hunter, which is a fucking master piece on every single level michael camino really only had one movie in him because the movie after that that he did heaven's gate is a complete fucking train wreck of a movie (laughs) and she did revolutionary road which is one of my all-time favorite movies that made me want to get married Right. Yeah. Seriously, though, prior to serving as EP on Hollow Man, Marion's previous film was The Deer Hunter, 22 years earlier. So she waited 22 years to produce another movie and she did Hollow Man. Weird, right? Uh, It's pretty (laughs) strange. Right. I mean, it's not, it's like, it's like Terrence Malick, you know, like Malick disappears after doing Days of Heaven in 1978 and he's gone for 20 years until he does The Thin Red Line. But The Thin Red Line was like worth that wait, you know? And 
since then he's been like making up for lost time he makes like three fucking movies a year and only one of them gets distribution you know <laughs> it's fucking weird man associate producer kenneth j silverstein's only film credit is hollow man since then ken has gone on to produce glee yes the tv show and the politician another tv show for netflix <laughs> the la- the last producer on this list is douglas wick he's produced some great movies over the years but hollow man isn't one of them he started his career with the classic 80s film working girl he did the craft in the 90s i'm sure we all remember that witch flick and the family flick Stuart little and of course the academy award-winning movies girl interrupted and best picture winner gladiator in the year 2000 since winning his oscar he has made tony scott's film spy game sam mendes's misunderstood military drama jarhead as well as baz lerman's confusing great gatsby adaptation with leonardo dicaprio and all three divergent movies which i have never met anyone that's actually seen those movies Have you like? No. Well, I think I saw one of them playing on TV <laughs> when I was in a bar or something mm. like that, and but I didn't really care. Yeah, I mean, Shailene Woodley had like a career for a minute, and like I don't know what the hell happened to her. Like, same thing, dude. She was like, I, I mean, I guess she's on that show on HBO with uh, with Reese Witherspoon called Big Little Lies, which is a pretty good show. You know, other than that, yeah. I haven't seen her in anything. On the docket for Wick is a remake of the craft with michelle monahan and gladiator 2 which i have yeah what (laughs) (laughs) i read i actually i actually read the script for gladiator 2 probably about 10 years ago and it was just confusing because they completely shift away from maximus maximus being dead and all and like go down this side route of like investigating what happens to marcus aurelius or not marcus aurelius's kid but like uh joaquin phoenix's kid that he supposedly had with his sister how they hinted uh, throughout the entire movie it's just really fucking weird i don't get it man it's like why just let it die it's been 20 years like if you come out with a movie that's a sequel to gladiator 20 years after the fact people everybody i think is gonna look at it and be like what the fuck <laughs> like no russell crow the like why the fuck do i need to see this yeah this, straight to netflix yeah maybe <laughs> this movie stars kevin bacon as a maverick researcher but what i should say is this movie stars kevin bacon sexually harassing assaulting and raping several co-workers so in other words kevin bacon stars as harvey weinstein a complete fucking scumbag <laughs> Bacon, of course, you will know from the movie that made him, Footloose, but you should know him for his giant filmography of mostly great work. Some of my personal favorites are his work in Tremors, an all-time classic horror flick. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, we talked about it before, but like the splattering worm is by far my favorite part in that movie. <laughs> so good. Uh, he was also in Oliver Stone's JFK, A Few Good Men, Apollo 13, Sleepers, Mystic River, and The Woodsman, as well as Frost, Nixon, and Patriot's Day, which was one of my favorite movies from 2016 that doesn't nearly get the respect it deserves. Like it's it's actually really unfortunate that movie didn't get like nominated for anything because like that movie is a masterclass in directing dude like i don't want to like pump that movie up too much but peter berg has always kind of been like hit and miss with me with his movies you know like some movies are good other ones are kind of whatever but like that movie was like great direct like legitimately great directing. Wait, that's the marky mark one about the boston, the boston bombings yeah. All right, all right. yeah it's a good movie man if you haven't seen it it's on netflix right now you should totally yeah. sit down and watch it it's a fucking brilliant movie elizabeth shu co-stars this is ex-girlfriend whom he cannot get over seriously this whole movie 
movie. I never realized her name was actually Linda because they really never say her name. It's just, <laughs> she's just there. Yeah. But Elizabeth is another veteran actor, but you should know her from leaving Las Vegas as the prostitute with a heart of gold that Nick Cage asks to spend the weekend with him as he drinks himself to death. She is so fantastic in this movie that I cannot overstate it. I was actually really surprised like that she hasn't tried to do anything that's like good since then. Like she's been in some interesting stuff over the years, but it's like she hasn't tried to make another good movie. It's all just kind of like these paycheck movies where it's kind of mm. like whatever, but it's weird. She also is in the classics Back to the Future 2 and 3 is Marty McFly's girlfriend Jennifer taking over from Claudia mm. Wells. Sure, if you right. don't know this story, real quick, Claudia Wells was not well known and landed what you what would appear to be one of those coveted roles in film history. But upon commencing filming the second Back to the Future movie, Claudia's mom was sick with cancer and Claudia's decision to care for her mother made the role vacant and Elizabeth Shue was cast. Shue would go on to star in multiple movies while Wells retired from acting for 23 years until she returned to acting in 2008 with Still Waters Burn. Isn't that wild, dude? Hmm. I mean, how how different would Shue and Wells' careers had been if that didn't happen? Like, I, I'd like to believe that Elizabeth Shue would still have a career, but like, she's not particularly talented, to be honest. <laughs> Anyway, that's your bar trivia for the week. Shu went on to do the dreadful, dreadful, dreadful remake of Wings of Desire called City of Angels with Nick Cage again and the fucked up Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie called Mysterious Skin, which oh, I God. use that movie. I use, I use that movie as I use that movie for so many reasons in conversation. But the number one is, is like how to be taken seriously as an actor. Like before that, he was the kid from Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. And then he did that movie and everybody was like, whole holy fuck, who is this guy? Like, yes, we know it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but, and I, I, I honestly think if he didn't do that movie, he wouldn't have ever gone past Third Rock from the Sun. He'd be like Haley Joel Osment. He'd be doing like these weird whatever movies and yeah. whatnot, but I don't think that he'd nearly be the guy that he is today if it wasn't for Mysterious Skin. But I cannot speak highly enough about this movie. If you have a strong stomach, it's totally worth it and beautifully executed. <laughs> it is fucked up though. Yeah. Wait, is this the one with uh, William H. Macy or is that a different one no you're um, i think you're thinking of uh i think you're thinking of happiness maybe yeah no not yeah. happiness no it's it's the one about the uh the two guys that believe that they were abducted by aliens yeah, and i get that part yeah yeah all right, all right. anyway moving on. <laughs> josh brolin co-stars is lackey researcher turned fuck boy matt Every time I see this movie, I'm still surprised he's in this. Thank fuck he moved on to pass this movie to basically forget this movie exists because if he had not moved past this, this would have killed his career. Barring all things Marvel, though, I'm not going to talk about that because everyone knows them. I don't give a fuck. Josh, of course, is excellent in the Coen Brothers Best Picture winner, No Country for Old Men. Finally, a great New Mexico film that I can shout out. Sicario 1 and 2, another great New Mexico film shout out, as well as P.T. Anderson confusing inherent vice Gus Van Sant's wonderful movie Milk and Ridley Scott's brilliant American gangster he was also in uh, Planet Terror by Robert Rodriguez which is the best part about Grindhouse the splatter yeah. in that movie is fucking yeah. fantastic yeah pretty entertaining there he's also been in some real stinkers like Mimic Jonah Hex and Spike Lee's ill-informed remake of Old Boy which just god damn it man <laughs> holy fuck that movie's bad <laughs> 
you know, I, I think I mentioned it before, but I'm glad that Spike took his name off of that. Like, it's his name is still on it, but it's not a Spike Lee joint. It's a Spike Lee film because he didn't want it to be included with all of his other movies because he knows it sucks. And the studio took it out of his hands and fucked it up. But Josh Brolin keeps talking about how there's like this three-hour director's cut of Old Boy sitting out there that is Spike's movie and that they cut huh. the living fuck out of it in order to make the studio one. So I, I'd be interested to see the three-hour version. I would sit down and watch it just out of my respect for Spike and Josh. It would be like watching the three-hour version of Alexander probably. Oh, I don't dude. know if I'd want Oh, my God. Holy fuck. <laughs> You know, there's actually two other versions of Alexander. Like the theatrical version is almost three hours long. The director's cut is like three hours and 10 minutes long, three hours and 20. And like the restored full version or whatever is three um, hours and 47 minutes, dude. Like what the fuck? Oh, that's a lot of, that's <laughs> a lot of bad movies. It's a lot there. of bad movies. <laughs> Anyway, see Park Chan-wook's Revenge Trilogy if you haven't. They're fucking classics and everyone with a strong stomach should see them. That's it. That's all I'll say. The original Old Boy is a fucking classic. I cannot speak highly yeah. enough about that movie. The other three meat grinder researchers are played by Kim Dickens, who is one of the many women who gets sexually assaulted by Bacon in this movie. Mary Randall, the first of the researchers to die. Wait, does he meet a woman that he doesn't sexually assault in this movie? I don't think so. Yeah, I think literally every woman that he meets, he sexually assaults in this movie. Okay. It also stars and Mary- like Harvey Weinstein. Right. <laughs> exactly. What did I say? He stars as Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. It also stars Mary Randall, who is the first of the researchers to die. Hashtag black person dies first cliche. Greg Grunberg, who plays the fat backstreet boy in this movie. And Joey Slotnick, a.k.a. the nerd researcher. Because every science movie needs the nerd. <laughs> who helps hack the code for whatever reason in the third act but more on that later the only one of these three worth knowing is kim dickens she's good in sam raimi's the gift thank you for smoking opposite Aaron eckhart and david fincher's excellent movie gone girl there are two people who came up with the story for this movie and only one of them wrote the script the first is gary scott thomas gary would move on past this movie to take his keen observations for science character development and intelligent dialogue not really. I almost made it through without actually smiling. <laughs> but he would go on to write 88 Minutes, one of Al Pacino's all-time worst movies, even over Gigli, and eight fucking Fast and Furious spinoffs and sequels. <laughs> so we learned that Gary is a company hack. So mm-hmm. fuck you, Gary. You're He's piece sitting shit. on a large pile of money right now, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess He's that's... probably wiping his ass with $100 bills <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> The second person responsible for this movie is Andre W. Marlowe. Andrew has written three movies in his lifetime, ending with Hollow Man. His other two are the atrocious but super violent on-old vehicle called End of Days, which is a fucking weird-ass movie. (laughs) And you ready for this, Paul? Uh, I'm ready. Air Force One, motherfucker. Oh, okay. In the absolute classic of a movie. So I, wait, let me ask you something. Which one do you like more, Executive Decision or Air Force One? You know, between those two, it'd be Air Force One. But over both of those, I like Passenger 57, which is a fucking <laughs> horrifyingly bad movie. But <laughs> it's so much more violent than the other two. Uh, mm, but nice. I mean, Air, Air Force One is classic. I can't, I can't yeah. bitch about that movie too much. I would be remiss if I didn't mention he also created the terrible Nathan Fillion vehicle called Castle. 
which for some reason, I guess people in the Midwest watch that show. I do not, do not recall. This yeah. movie is directed by Paul motherfucking Verhoeven. <laughs> this guy is a crazy person, like seriously crazy person. He's done some of my favorite campy movies and also some B-movie classics, as well as some fantastic prestige movies over the years. But what is most bizarre about him for me is the level of schlocky, objectively bad <laughs> movies that he's made too. First, with the B-movie classics, this man has given us Robocop, and Total Recall. I mean, that's two masterpieces of oh, B-movie yeah. cinema right yeah. there, flat out, <laughs> full stop. Like, the, the opening scene in RoboCop when Peter Weller gets blasted apart, that shit is fucking <laughs> insane, dude. And Total Recall, I mean, beyond the three tits, you know, like Quato and everything else, Quato, like, it's yeah. just so fucking good. The explosive decompression, the guy oh, falling dude. out, the sky <laughs> is popping out of his head. I yeah, love that, man. Good. It's yeah. so good. But secondly, with his prestige films, he's made Soldier Vore which is one of my favorite Rutger Hauer performances. Black Book, a straightforward but endlessly beautiful movie. And L, a brutal and expertly crafted and acted revenge movie featuring perhaps Isabella Huppert's best performance of her career. Seriously, I know I mentioned this movie before, but it is a fucking great movie, dude. Like it's no. it's almost like it's not a Paul Verhoeven movie, other yeah. than other than it's like explicitly sexual and violent. <laughs> Yep. So, does he have that in all of his movies? Does he have yeah. like a G-rated movie anywhere? No, no, no. Okay. no. It's always he been R-rated. Like his tits and violence. That's he does. Sure. I yeah. mean, it's it's always been about that for him, which is <laughs> which is fine, you know. But the third category is schlocky films. This is where Verhoeven shines as well. This man directed Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship <laughs> Troopers, which I fucking hate in so many uh, ways. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Hollow Man. He's a very, very, very odd person to say the least, but he doesn't shy away from graphic violence or sexuality. And to be honest, that's why I still watch every single one of his movies. <laughs> He has, he has this new movie coming up. I can't remember the name of it right now when I'm thinking about it, but I, it's on IMDb if you click on his uh, upcoming movies. It's supposed to come out this year, but it's about this nun uh, who like is, a, it's like a revenge plot involving a nun. And I'm assuming that the nun gets raped or something like that because it's Paul Verhoeven. But the, <laughs> right. the, the, the international poster that's on IMDb has this nun in a veil or in her little habit. And her habit is like gaped open and one of her tits is like hanging out. And I'm like, oh, fucking huh. Paul Verhoeven, you were. <laughs> <laughs> but hollow man is simultaneously over long and underdeveloped 112 minutes in its theatrical form but we are reviewing the 119 minute director's cut among little differences in extending scenes this version adds more rape to the already horrifying rape scene and a much longer version of the after dog killing scene so overall more violence and sexual violence <laughs> This movie was produced on a budget of $95 million, which went entirely to visual effects, for which this movie received an Oscar nomination and lost to Ridley Scott's far superior Gladiator that year. It was released on August 4th, 2000 at 2,956 theaters and opened at the number one spot with a $26 million weekend. Wow, for yeah. an R-rated movie. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not bad. Good. It's pretty good. Below Hollow Man was The Nutty Professor 2, The <laughs> 
Pumps in its second weekend in the number two spot. The Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, geriatric vehicle called Space Cowboys in its first week in the number three slot, which is a <laughs> fucking terrible movie, by the way. That's uh, pretty bad. Jerry Bruckheimer's bizarre bar dancing movie called Coyote Ugly in its first week in the number four spot. And Robert Zemeckis's weird Harrison Ford horror flick What Lies Beneath in its third week rounding out the top five. Those are just, I mean, there was a lot of weird movies out during this time like even august like august you can start having early like prestige type movies coming out and this is a weird fucking weekend man This gross place is Hollow Man as the 38th overall opening for the month of August. Still sitting nicely below the unfunny Jason Sudeikis movie Where the Millers from 2013 and above the exceptional 2016 horror flick starring Stephen W. Lang called Don't Breathe. Hollow Man's opening was the 145th overall weekend for an R-rated movie sitting again below We Are the Millers and above Don't Breathe. Hollow Man powered on for 154 days in theaters, eventually earning a shitty $73 million domestically and $117 million internationally, bringing its overall worldwide box office to $190 million. So with advertising costs, this movie definitely flopped. (laughs) This movie's lowest grossing country was Spain, with a $3,068 opening weekend and a $34,238 gross. You know, I I gotta go on a Spain tirade here. They make these like Spanish hams that are supposed to be the best things ever. Oh uh, yeah. And I spent like a hundred bucks getting one and it was like this rotten like, <laughs> Wait, did you wait, thing. did you get it in the States or like when you yeah, were you... Yeah, yeah, I got, got a Spanish on. ham in the States. So Where? Where were you living at the time? <laughs> In Seattle, in Seattle. Ah, oh, well, they don't have an yeah. excuse then. Like, they should be able to get you, like, a real Spanish ham. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about this good. Spanish ham shit. All I know is that, like... <laughs> it's like an know. aged, salted ham that well, they just... That, that's the only thing that I know it as, mm. is, like, almost like cold cuts. Is they'll put it on shit almost like a porchetta or something like that. Yeah. You know? Like, it makes more sense it that was, way. Yeah. I, I'll take a, a Tennessee country ham over a Spanish ham. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> a ham that was grilled on somebody's fucking exhaust manifold you'll take that. no 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 spanish <laughs> or the tennessee ham it's like an aged and smoked ham that uh you'll like go out there and you'll see him hanging from the ceiling or whatever huh yeah. i didn't yeah, see that, that when i was in tennessee but i wasn't in tennessee for that long yeah. in order to tour ham you know <laughs> You gotta be, I think it, it's like a Christmas type thing. Oh, uh, okay. It's uh, pretty good. You like baste it in Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> that's that's so good. That's so good for pork. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. every every time I do pozole or, uh, or beans or something like that, I always cook the meat first in Dr. Pepper to like soften it up because huh. like the, the acid gets in there and the sugar gets in there. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it definitely, it does something. I did my carnitas. The last time I did carnitas, I did it with uh, Dr. Pepper. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> Anyway, with an average ticket price of 795.13 Spanish peseta, or ESP as the abbreviation was to Spain prior to Spain joining the EU and switching to the euro, or $5.39 American, that brings total asses and seats to 569.25 people saw this movie opening weekend. Fuck yeah. Johnny Quarter Slices back. 
<laughs> Missed you, Johnny. Took a while yeah. for us to find him again, but he's here. <laughs> With a population of 40.47 million people in the year 2000, that means that only 1.41 millionth of 1% of the total population of Spain saw this movie opening weekend. I guess Spain doesn't like bacon's bits. I don't know. The number one <laughs> the number one the number one largest opening weekend movie of all time in Spain was 2019's Avengers Endgame with a 13 million dollar bow. Prior to that though, shamefully, the largest opening weekend belonged to 2012's The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Oh, no. Spain. Also, <laughs> why Spain? Listen to this. Also, the number one movie opening this year in the year 2000 in Spain was the Johnny Depp starring Roman Polanski directed The Ninth Gate. (laughs) Yeah. Spain, get your shit together. Stop watching bad movies. Hollow Man has an unimpressive 5.8 out of 10 stars with 120,944 votes on IMDb, a 24% on Metacritic, and a splatty 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. It also has a 28% audience score, so even Rotten Tomatoes audiences hate it. that's... That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. This movie ranks highest amongst males aged 45 plus. What the fuck? Is that Bacon's audience? With a 5.9. With a 5.9. So it's not that much off of the arithmetic mean. And lowest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 5.1. To my surprise, 3,221 people rated on IMDb voted this movie a perfect 10 score. My favorite reviews begin with Kenneth Turan of the Los Angeles Times. Kenneth writes, quote, Despite a wealth of special effects and direction, Paul Verhoeven, Mr. Over-the-Top himself, this movie is surprisingly inert, more dull than anything else, with little to recommend it on any level. Score, 0.5 out of 5 stars. (laughs) John Anderson of Newsday Ponders, quote, The film's degree of viciousness, which certainly isn't limited to Kane's nocturnal wanderings makes one hope Verhoeven isn't taking any potions. Score one out of five stars. Finally, John Hartle of the Seattle Times pontificates, quote, there is so little of the Verhoeven touch in Hollow Man that it could have been directed by almost any studio hack, like J.J. Abrams. Original score, (laughs) original score, zero out of five stars. Wow. Wow. Lastly, the director's cut of Hollow Man is unrated, but the theatrical version is rated R for strong violence, language, and some sexuality nudity. So, Paul, Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles steps up to the plate. This is his 522nd plate appearance of his career, and he leads the overall MLB history in worst batting average of any player <laughs> ever, .168. Normally, he's a first baseman, but we are down against the Houston Astros. He's steps up to the bat at the home game at Oriole Park in Camden Yards in Baltimore with 18,434 people looking on in a 45,971-seat stadium. That's only 40% full at a fucking home game. (laughs) This motherfucker gets paid $22 million a year, Paul, 
Dang. And he, is, he is the sixth highest paid first baseman in the MLB. It's September and it's beautiful outside, but I can't get over the stench coming from my pits. I wipe the sweat off my brow and wipe my hand in my pit. I could waggle one finger for a fastball, but this motherfucker is like Dick Cheney. He can't hit shit. <laughs> this motherfucker hits one ball, one ball for every 30 plate appearances, dude. 30 <laughs> plate appearances, he hits one fucking ball. A fucking little league pitcher could strike this dickhead out i waggle four fingers for a change up to keep you entertained and you pitch this motherfucker to me paul all right all right so i was uh sitting in my window watching my neighbor and then i was like you know what what would it be like to see kevin bacon's dick but without <laughs> skin on it Whoa. oh my god yeah so I got this idea for this movie. Is this movie. something that pops into your mind at a regular basis? What Kevin uh, Bacon's dick looks like without skin on it? Yeah, yeah, I think about it all the time, actually. <laughs> but so now I can finally make a movie that will give it its proper place in cinema history. All right. Okay. So we're gonna make this movie. It's gonna be like Invisible Man, right? About okay, a cool, megalomaniac cool. scientist, mm -hmm. but uh, we're gonna have some amazing special effects and right. some sexual assault on top of everything. Wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about a hard R rating. Hard here. R. Okay. Okay. Well, you're going to do it a classic. The Beerhoven right? touch. Yeah. Okay. Classic. Okay. Definitely. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No three tits this time though. <laughs> only, only two, maybe even one. I don't know. We'll find out. So some gorillas, uh, I don't know, thermal goggles and shit. I, 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 doesn't matter. Just give me the money. Give Doesn't me the money. <laughs> Just, we, want, we all have the same goal, and that is to see Kevin Bacon's dick without skin on it. So, well, I don't know if that's my goal, but can you at least show some breasts in this movie at some point? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have Kevin Bacon do a little Harvey Weinstein thing. and Grabby, uh, grabby. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. going to grab grabby. Apparently, everyone knows about it, but no one's saying anything uh, or doing right. anything. Uh, right. It's been, it's been a much, problem for a while. How much you need for this movie? Like uh, 30, 45 million? Uh, I want top of the line special effects. So we'll go for 100, even 100 million. We could do that. Yeah. We don't really need any good actors except Kevin Bacon, of course. <laughs> no, that's, Great. Uh, Does Kevin Bacon live at the end of the movie? That's what matters. Can we make a sequel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can work in some way of making a sequel after he... <laughs> I mean, we never see him die in the movie, so we can assume that maybe he can live, come great, back to life. Great, great. Fantastic. Actually, you know, Paul, there is a sequel to this movie. I don't know if you knew about that. I did not. <laughs> Not yeah, distracted by what's going on behind you right now. <laughs> uh, what is? Oh, this is <laughs> great. Yeah, this is the uh, the groping. There was a, scene. They were yeah. There was a nipple like right behind your ear. It was yeah. <laughs> A little distracting, yeah. Yeah, distracting. Okay, so Paul, jumping into this right away, man. Like, why the double credits, dude? You know, like the credits are like they're they're moody and they're like stylistic and shit, but like they do double credits just in case people can't read. I mean, I didn't read them either. Credit set, <laughs> so I guess they didn't do enough credits. They should probably have added a yeah. third set of credits. They could have done a Gasper Noy thing where it takes up the whole screen and it says like <laughs> Noy Noy and it flashes at you. <laughs> Yeah. 
it, it still cracks me up that before his last three movies, they've had to put like warnings at the beginning of the movie saying that there's like lashing credits that can cause seizures and yeah. people should be aware of that. He likes his epileptic shock. I he guess. does for sure. But I mean, dude, the, the first, I forgot that Doug Wick produced this thing. And like when his name came up on the screen, I was like, ah, like <laughs> I, I've only associated him with Gladiator for so long that to see his name pop up on this, I was like, wow, I forgot about that, man. That's unfortunate that he did this movie. But because he did, especially since he didn't do Starship Troopers before, it was like most of these people moved over straight from Starship Troopers in order to do this movie. And I, yeah. I get it, you know, but like he had nothing to do. He actually picked this out to fucking produce this fucking thing. I don't know why. He made, he thought he was going to make a buttload of money, I guess. But mm. at, the, at the first scene, Paul, what exactly is Kevin Bacon doing with his computer? If he's, synthesi- <laughs> if he's synthesizing molecules, this does work on paper for a chemist and in a lab. But the computer telling him it's unstable doesn't mean anything if he's only forming one molecule. I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's been so long since I've played with any of that software, but doesn't MATLAB do like chemistry shit too? I mean, if you're trying to build a large molecule, the math gets unreasonably hard pretty quickly. <laughs> and if you're trying to see mm-hmm. if it holds together and has properties that you want, you can run simulations and stuff. They actually take a shitload of horsepower to do those simulations, like, you know, supercomputing stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, that's, I mean, that's... That's what he's doing. Maybe he he he's networked into the the government supercomputers or something, and he's just. I've just never seen that. Is all like it's it's. You can check out folding at home. Mm-hmm. It's called. It's like this massive kind of crowdsourced protein simulation software that Interesting. where you can help people study COVID nineteen. Huh. Uh, antibody reactions and stuff like that but you can actually see what it's doing i mean it's like simulating giant antibody molecules and things like that and yeah a lot okay a lot of so then technology. then it's not that far out of uh reality then yeah but it has the sweet sounds you know the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that thing that we've bitched about before yeah. yeah yeah so paul what are the chances that his neighbor is that fucking hot like for real like she's that hot and she just happens to leave her curtains open and she takes off her shirt and her bra every day as soon as she gets home what are the chances that that's actually happening <laughs> you know what i mean I I don't know. I've never seen that before. I mean, honestly, I, I saw it when I lived in LA, like I had a neighbor across the way that like she liked wearing no bra and like a really tight white shirt every time she did laundry. She'd have to walk from her apartment across the courtyard to the laundry facility. And I caught her a couple of times, like just looking out of my window, like, oh shit, what's that? You know? <laughs> but like, I, I haven't seen this specific situation in my life. I think he lives in Georgetown. There's a lot of rich people live there. So mm. maybe she's, uh, <laughs> one of those lobbyist types who uses isn't all about the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses yeah, sex, sexiness. And, uh... So immediately after seeing his hot neighbor take her shirt off, he gets up and he walks over to get something out of his kitchen and he has the eureka moment and he comes over and types something into his computer. Did like the blood flow of getting to his dick like get his brain working again and he just happened to I know? So. I think that, that was yeah, it. I mean, especially know. since this guy is a fucking like vicious sexual predator. <laughs> I don't doubt that he does his best work when he's hard. 
that's a really really stay in this in this scene though it's a really really stable webcam connection and screen share for the 2000 for the year 2000 man <laughs> and you know what i the, the thing that popped up in this movie that i thought was weird is that they had nokia monitors sitting on their desk i didn't even know nokia made peripherals during this time mm. period but they were i've never strictly heard of telecommunication i mean they kind of i think they turned into lenovo which makes a bunch of shit i actually ah, have one of those true. laptops yeah, right yeah. now so but thank god that josh brolin became a respected actor because seeing him in this weak supporting position is actually really hard to watch you're like yeah. jesus i know he's a better he's, actor than this it's an empty character yeah i mean all of the all of the characters are pretty empty but that's why it's called hollow man get it get it Actually, you're not the first person to say that. One of the reviews I stumbled across when I was digging around on reviews for this was saying that the title tells you everything that you need to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. But he he drives to work listening to like early 2000s thrash metal. Uh, this yeah, is like this is really important. <laughs> this is really important for like a filmmaking standpoint. Is consider what music you put in your movie for the age that you're in. Like the early 2000s movies have like this very dark time period where they were putting in some really really bad music just shit that was popular and nothing that you would ever remember in 20 years which is today you're like who the fuck is that like yeah that's pretty bad i get the reason behind wanting to do invisibility tech right but there's two things here that i don't understand number one they, they reveal later on in the movie that they still show up on heat signatures and that you can still see them if like you know yeah. the elements like steam or whatever around them you can see these invisible people so i'm like so any and motion detectors so like any fucking security system in the world could crack this guy's fucking invisibility tech, which is like, I'm assuming at this point, a multi-billion dollar project led by the US military. Oh yeah. But th that's number one. And number two, the thing I didn't understand was is that they aren't injecting like chimps with it. They're injecting giant gorillas with it. So I'm like, why inject it in such a giant animal? Like that seems really fucking dangerous. You would have like a gorilla, like that's <laughs> invisible running rampant in the lab but you know and even still like impressive to have a gorilla Josh Brolin oh, yeah. gets his hand bit and like when the when the chimp or when the gorilla is invisible and she bites down in his hand and like a scene later he's fine he doesn't have a wrap there's no scar <laughs> nothing I'm like a fucking yeah. gorilla's like jaw can break take, yeah. human bone like she could snap <laughs> through that shit would take his arm off honestly oh for sure man but I mean he's not, huge... I had that problem with that scene where they're like joking around about chasing this 400 pound invisible gorilla <laughs> that's incredibly pissed off <laughs> <laughs> and possibly mentally deranged right and they're like all having a, a competition as to who can shoot it with right. the tiny little 10 bucks yeah <laughs> I'm like, I would be very afraid of that yeah, gorilla. Yeah, yeah. Not I would, joke around with that I shit. I wouldn't be joking around either, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that either. But the scene with Josh Brolin going into her cage doesn't make sense to me because he like fills the syringe and then has to put his entire body inside of this cage with this invisible gorilla in order to inject her with it. And I'm like, why not just use like a fucking dart gun or something like that? Like if their goal, I mean, his goal is to knock it out so he can take it over to the room and like put it on there and like re-inject it with the serum in order to bring her back but he gets in the cage with the invisible gorilla who is clearly pissed off when he walks up to it and then he gets bit
bit and he acts like he's fucking surprised about all this shit i'm like you are a fucking idiot dude like seriously how stupid do you have to be it's kind of a shame that he lives through the whole ordeal yeah so paul <laughs> this this is a this is a question directed specifically at you because you went through uh, fda like, testing with mm-hmm. your uh with your previous employer but wouldn't going against fta fda testing guidelines result in severe penalties beyond just a maverick subverting the bureaucracy well, I mean, this is definitely not an FDA sanctioned thing. This is like <laughs> military and they, they can do whatever they want. But yeah, that's one thing you don't do is just start human trials without permission because that right. will bring the anvil down on you really fast, <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. I mean, especially yeah, yeah. with like a giant bureaucracy like the military and the Pentagon coming down on top of you. Like they have an oversight committee yeah. that they have to meet with and somehow and they're think, able to slip it under honestly, all these people. They'd probably be pissed off about him doing it on himself because he's like the key to the whole project. They would just be like, oh yeah, let's bring in some uh, new recruits from (laughs) Kansas or whatever and just inject them with it. And uh, they got missing in action in Iraq or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. I, one of my, one of my big problems in this movie that they never talk about is that why do writers in movies like this always have to go with biblical names for their possibly psychotic characters? Like having his last name as being Cain, like Cain, if you don't know the Bible and you're an atheist, it's the second son of Adam and Eve. And like Cain got pissed off at Abel, the the youngest brother and like beat him to death with a rock. And, you know, Cain ended up going on in order to create the sons of Ham, which is a really weird side storyline of incest in the bible but i'm not going to table that right now (laughs) but i just don't understand how writers they take like these names that are pretty well known i mean the united states is like supposedly 75 percent christian or christian based belief structure it's like everybody would know what the fuck you're doing like stay away from names like that you know what i mean just naming him as a villain right off the bat so right you're yeah, like, oh, in case you didn't know by off. his fucking idiocy. And he's like... going to smash someone's head with a rock at some <laughs> point. <laughs> so, Paul, they go into the trial with the gorilla and dickhead nerd scientist guy up in the thing is saying bioelectric energy and quantum shift indicators are stable. Okay, like what? what I, <laughs> they just keep throwing a word around the word quantum shift like constantly in this movie in order to justify the tech. Like, I, I don't know if you saw the new Invisible Man movie. I have not, no. They reimagine the Invisible Man by being also a military project, but the military project is is it's this suit that's like a honeycomb outside that it has thousands of cameras built into it, and it's sort of based on like the the real tech out there right now for like invisibility, like sheeting and stuff like that, where it takes a picture of the image and it like projects it on itself in order to create an image that looks like it's part of the background. Yeah, and that's how the new Invisible Man gets around it. But like this, it's just like oh. Oh, yeah quantum shift you know whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah i don't know what it's supposed to mean uh so <laughs> it's some jargony it's stuff. techno speak yeah i mean if you put in the word quantum it sounds pretty cool and so you're like oh yeah, yeah. it sounds like you're smart yeah it's part of the multiverse he's actually <laughs> only partially in our universe right now 
Sure. But then he's divisible on infrared. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So these gorillas that they're testing on have huge teeth, but she's on the table and I don't know if you can like muzzle a gorilla. I've never seen that before, but she's not muzzled, even though they know that she might thrash and bite. (laughs) She's a biter. Yeah. (laughs) But it kind of seems like a liability thing that they would have this 400 pound gorilla with these giant teeth that are invisible and they're leaning over her in order to do shit. I mean, the only thing that this one thing that this movie doesn't have is a gorilla ripping somebody's throat out. That would have been pretty dope. I mean, they start off with like the rat running up and like they bite the rat in half. You see the blood on the teeth and whatnot. But like if an invisible gorilla was to like rip somebody's throat out and you could see like Mr. Verhoeven's like ultra violence of like the neck <laughs> filling out. I think that would have made this movie yeah, so much better. I think so. That would have been <laughs> cool. Maybe we can edit our own version add a gorilla neck ripping scene. I dig that. Yeah, like for that. sure. Yeah. <laughs> So Hollywood has this obsession with rich maverick researchers like this, right? Like we've talked about it before with movies like The Core and stuff like that. But this guy, he's just, they they don't all have to be beautiful and look like fucking rock stars, man. Like I think a maverick (laughs) researcher might look like a researcher, but just be a dick all the time, you know? There are all sorts of researchers out there and it just happens that uh, you get the award-winning looks of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. uh, That's all good. But the worst part I don't know. About- I think it, it kind of fits in with his character, you know, being a megalomaniac, <laughs> looks at himself in the mirror all the time and he's vain. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's a little he's a little vain. So how he's, do you explain he, Trump? <sighs> <What's>, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll move on to this then. One of the biggest problems with this movie is that everybody around him, even though they know he's a dick, constantly stroke his ego, man. That scene with Elizabeth Shue on the balcony when they're like celebrating or whatever. And she says, you were great. I was just standing next to you. And I'm like, why the fuck would you say that to this guy? Like, he's already fucking doesn't give a shit that you have a boyfriend. He's still trying to win you back. And you're like flirting with him openly in this scene. The love triangle thing going on in this movie doesn't make much sense. And it's kind of sad that it's the only character development that really happens (laughs) in the whole thing. If this love story is meant to make me feel for these two, I actually think less of them because she has no self-respect jumping from colleague to colleague like that. Well, they're all they're all workaholics, so they have no social lives outside of work. So there's the that's the only option she really has, unless she just goes down to the the bar and tries <laughs> to pick up a random dude. Yeah, but that would be a waste of time. There's work to be done. So. <laughs> So this is a filmmaking thing, but the footage being shown to the Pentagon committee on their failed results is printed on film because we see the film like roll out of the projector. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wouldn't that be exorbitantly expensive, number one, as well as really inefficient? Like normal video would be so much easier to archive, shoot, edit. Well, I mean, cetera. this was like, this was like 2000. So this was kind of, I mean, the best digital cameras were pretty shitty at that point. Point. But you wouldn't be and shooting with 35. Like, it doesn't make any sense to <laughs> maybe it was 16, or I don't know, maybe they needed the high resolution to see what was going on, or you know, special film that picks up quantum that could be a possibility. or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> that is a possibility. Throughout the beginning of this movie, anyway, they keep talking about how, oh, I'm going to call so and so for them to get our Nobel Prize ready. And they're like so confident on the Nobel Prize. But don't you have to be nominated by other people for the Nobel Prize, yeah. like peers and such? Pretty sure their work would also be very secret. So yeah, I mean, come on. There's that- no Nobel Prize for that kind of shit. <laughs> 
the center thing about that is that the Pentagon is very obviously using this for military technology. That wouldn't be something that is like widely known. I'm going to publish these results so anyone yeah. <laughs> can make it. Do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. So for those of who who haven't seen this movie, do you think that the black girl dies first? Like there's only one black person <laughs> in this movie and she's one of the researchers. And it's like yeah. very obvious that she has a cavalier attitude other than when she goes to the bathroom. Yeah, but it's just like, it's, it's insulting once again to have a black character that's going to be sacrificed in the name of the white people in a movie. I can't deal with the shit anymore. <laughs> but when Josh Brolin's Matt and Linda, Elizabeth Shue's character in bed, she can't stop talking about sebastian's dick like she's trying to assuage this guy (laughs) and then she like gets on him and she's like oh you fit better blah 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 blah. and i'm like dude run run for christ's sake like get away from this she's got problems serious problems (laughs) just get away but this movie this movie it makes light of rape in so many different ways i mean the, the central rape scene in this is like made to be really shocking and everything like that but like one of the first things that kevin bacon's character talks about is he's walking to get injected is he has that Superman joke that's about rape that like you know he's just gonna swing down real fast and fuck Wonder Woman without her knowing about it I'm like dude it's foreshadowing man yeah no it's terrible <laughs> foreshadowing though so, but seriously though, I mean, even even with like the times being what they were previously and like times now are very, very different. Like how many sexual assault and harassment cases would be, would Kevin Bacon be hit with due to his constant behavior, man? Like it's fucking ridiculous in this movie. Okay, we know. We already know the answer. The answer is zero. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, he's too brilliant and uh, too good looking. And yeah, too, he's too um, white. <laughs> yeah, we just deny it and... <laughs> It'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, Prince Andrew's Boy, doing that it. right now. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> So this this is another technical filmmaking thing, but when he's being injected with the irradiated solution, we can see very clearly that as he's injecting it himself, the last few like fluorescent drips are coming through his IV and there's like big bubbles in there. And I'm like, okay, so he's going to have a fucking heart attack now because he's got a giant air bubble in his bloodstream. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, come on, man. This is a little filmmaking thing that I'm just like, if you're going to do syringes, man, do it right. Have some sort of fucking knowledge. Don't put the air in there. Like, come on. But he's he gets injected and he's thrashing about, right? He can flail a lot in this bed. And I'm like, what the fuck is the point of the straps being there if he can completely 180 his body on the no. table yeah. and like land on his stomach? I'm like, what the fuck are the point of the straps? <laughs> come on. I don't know. Yeah. Straps don't make any sense. But <laughs> what gets me, all right, I think it looks cool. It still looks cool even today, that yeah. whole like sequence of turning. Yeah. him invisible and everything like that the best sequence in the movie yeah but you see it travel through his circulatory system and it goes you know slowly to his you know tissue and then his bones yeah but i don't get how his hair disappears yeah i don't get that, that either really, <laughs> that doesn't really have any any like connection to your body it's just shit that's <laughs> stuck on you it's not living anything right it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't matter <laughs> but yeah i mean it would not be very exciting if it was like a wig floating <laughs> around in the air or <laughs> yeah it's true you know you know what brought some memories that got brought up for me during this movie is uh the backstreet boy comes out in this one scene and he's playing with a yo-yo and i'm like dude i know yo-yos were like really popular oh, yeah. 
But I'm seriously wondering because the researcher that looks like a Backstreet Boy is playing with one. And it makes me think in 10 years, like 10 years from now in 2030, are kids even going to know what a yo-yo is? I I have a warehouse full of yo-yos and I'm (laughs) waiting for the right moment to release them again. I still still have my (laughs) Yomega like brain yo-yo, dude, with like the adjustable ball bearing clutch inside of it. Oh, man. Those are are dope. I still play with my yo-yos, man. I'm not going to lie. Like every once in a while, I'll pull a yo-yo out and just fuck around with it. You have to wait. You have to wait another another 10 years maybe and then break them out again. Yeah. I mean, pogs sell like crazy, man. If you put those on eBay, like pogs are fucking ridiculous. (laughs) But... I got a question, like a real question here. This is a research facility that is working on invisibility. And they know that these invisible creatures show up on thermal, right? So much so that they have thermal goggles and thermal cameras facing the fucking cages and shit like that. But the rest of the facility, the connecting hallways and shit, don't have thermal cameras. Like throughout the whole movie, it's just basic fucking security cameras. And I'm like... (laughs) What what does that do? Like it's an underground yeah. bunker that has to be voice assisted. They have the fucking armed guards outside. And so there's no way for you to get into this facility really. And they have like the thumbprint biometric in order for you to activate the voice security. But they have basic security cameras yeah. just in case. And it records to VHS tape. Like what the fuck? That was shit back in the day, man. There was, yeah, there was nothing else. There's no other way. That's <laughs> good films. So. But this, but this leads. I mean, yeah, no, that's an oversight. You can't plan for everything. You're like, oh. You know, that's one of those they, things that we should have put in, but <laughs> kind of fucked that up. I mean, they could have just fucking reversed. They talk about that this was a four year long process. And during these four years, they still haven't figured out how to put thermal cameras in. Like, come on, man. And, and budget cuts. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> this leads us to the first assault scene, right? He turns invisible. He wanders up to this woman and he unbuttons her shirt when she's asleep and he starts like fondling her breast. And there's something about like the CG of her like breast moving around with the fingers that it's like it's really off-putting and it's just yeah, it's, not, very it's good. not scary it's not intense it's just fucking weird like some weird fetish type shit and i'm like okay i i'm done with this scene already like can we cover her breast up please like yeah in the next scene which i didn't understand elizabeth shoe she's talking to the researcher who was groped when she was asleep and she said that she has a hard time believing that kevin bacon's character would be that crude in order to assault when she's asleep and I'm like really you you have a hard time believing this he's kind of a prick like he <laughs> grabbed kind of both of your asses in the previous scene like this isn't beyond him in order to do this on top of the fact that he's just a fucking psychosexual pervert yeah. something that I didn't understand is that like their shared toilet area like there's multiple urinals in there but there's one toilet and the toilet doesn't have a <laughs> stall around it and I'm like right yeah. so you can have this scene of like oh maybe he's in the room and he's like watching her or whatever. It was a military designed facility, so you know, it was probably not designed for any women to be in the in the facility, but then they ended up coming, you know. It's a bunker from the 50s. <laughs> you know, and it's just and it's hiding underneath some shitty expecting, warehouses. Expecting a bunch of grunts to be down there. You know, right. they don't care if they shit in front of each other. 
whatever. <laughs> just sit down and take a shit. I could never do yeah. that, dude. There was like a there was a bathroom at UNM in the art building that didn't have any doors on any of the stalls, and I could never take a shit when I was in that building because it's just like I don't want anybody. And you had to walk did past like, all the stalls. Re- <laughs> did someone take the doors off, or are they just never I'm, there? I'm assuming like the brackets were still hanging there, but I'm like they had to. They, somebody had to take the doors off, but you had to walk past the stalls in order to get to the urinals. So I'm like anybody that needs to piss has to walk past me sitting on the throne like i'm not okay with that maybe there are a bunch of art students doing too much cocaine in there so they <laughs> decided that they needed to take the, the doors off you know that could be that could very yeah. well be <laughs> the, this movie uh, it, it suffers from the stupidest people that are researchers in this movie because they start talking shit about kevin bacon almost immediately after this like groping scene and lo and behold, everybody leaves the room and the, the chair slides out and he stands up from it. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, really? <laughs> didn't bother to look, yeah. You didn't bother to look? Like, he's, he's fucking invisible, you know what I mean? You didn't bother looking at the camera, the only thermal camera that's looking at his room. And you're just talking shit about him wholesale. It makes no sense. I have a question here. If his blood and everything else is invisible, Paul, if he takes a leak or a shit, is is that invisible too like he pukes later on in the movie and it's invisible yeah like what is what is the process here because like i don't know eating, he also has to eat things sandwich. yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> he's eating a sandwich you're gonna see it getting curded up in his mouth like it's not gonna be layered on by this like fluid that's in his mouth that happens to turn it invisible or coat it and spit and it turns it invisible that doesn't make any sense to me and it's just it keeps pulling me out of the movie because i'm like we got to see his like shit moving through his intestines or something like that's yeah no it doesn't doesn't make any sense really so uh there's too many of those kind of questions along with the kind of questions you start asking during a time travel movie (laughs) or you know something like that and you're just like uh you know maybe i should just not think about it and just kick back and enjoy the ride here you know one one of my favorite examples of a writer like jumping ahead of that is in the movie looper with joseph gordon levitt and bruce willis jeff daniels's character is sitting there and somebody asks him about like this time paradox problem and he's just like i don't know man this time travel shit just fries your brain like an egg and i really appreciated that because they didn't <laughs> try to go into it he's just like it's fucked up i don't know what you want me to say and i'm like that's <laughs> good writing dude like i like that doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make any sense i don't care like what the fuck (laughs) but they try to bring him back and he starts thrashing and whatnot and numbnuts the the nerdy researcher up in the elevated observation room says to everyone after all of his like sensors are pulled off of him and he's thrashing and getting out of bed he yells out over the pa system we lost our signals guys and i'm like really genius like the guy who had sensors on his body is now up running around. You really think that you're going to get a fucking signal? Like, I didn't understand that line. It was like, you're a little late and that's a little obvious, but whatever. But they, they try to, the, the problem here is that they try to innovate him, right? Because he can't breathe. And so they're yelling about innovation and they do the innovation supposedly. And when they pull the tube out after he wakes up, it's like this little three inch long tube that comes out of his mouth. Like that's not how innovation works. Like innovation goes all the way down your fucking windpipe <laughs> into your lungs. Like it's yeah. a bad thing and it fucks up your vocal cords. Like if they don't do that shit right, it can permanently damage your vocal cords. Not to mention that they can actually poke holes in your fucking esophagus or your uh, your trachea by doing yeah. it if they're not careful. But she's the vet, so it's fine. 
she's yeah. a really good vet she can do <laughs> humans animals whatever she yeah she can interview anything another one of these small details that really bothers me throughout this movie is that they pour latex on him to give him a skin that way they can look and talk at something right but they don't shave his head so i'm like so all is all of his hair just like glued down <laughs> in between like latex that's cooling and because he i mean kevin bacon has like this fucking like quaff you know like it's a big like large yeah. haircut i'm like you're pouring that shit all over that hair and it's just getting in between all the hairs but he's able to pull this mask off with no problems <laughs> i i didn't get that yeah. but yeah. i mean at yeah. least they could have showed that they were shaving his invisible hair or something like that yeah <laughs> no it's uh just one of those things that they kind of completely ignore but then yeah. you see like his thermal pictures and everything and he has his his big old mm-hmm. Beatles cut, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. I don't know. Beatles uh, cut is accurate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they pour the latex on him. And even after like 10 days of him having this mask, they still haven't put in ear holes for his ears or nose, or holes. nose holes for his nostrils. Yeah. And I'm like, <sighs> he's just going to be mouth breathing this entire time and not hearing anything. <sighs> yeah. I know the shower scene in this movie is supposed to be creepy, but he is shown when when the girl goes and she takes a shower, the next door neighbor, he gets out over there. And she's actually a funny part that I enjoyed in this movie when he goes out to his place and he's like driving his car with his weird, creepy mask on. And the kids are like, oh, he's creepy. What's up with that? (laughs) And then he takes his sunglasses off and it's like hollow on the inside. That actually made me laugh out loud for some reason. It's because you're sick in the head. This movie gets one point for that. (laughs) Out of 100? I don't know. But I I know that the shower scene is supposed to be creepy, but he has shown himself time and again to be a sexual predator. But somehow he is still working at the lab and this scene comes off completely as exploitation. Like they didn't, honestly, dude, they didn't need this rape scene. It doesn't yield anything in the movie. It's just there. It's extremely graphic and it's too titillating because of the way that they shoot it and the way that they show how beautiful the woman is and they're constantly objectifying her. But I'm like, this comes off as being exploitation entirely rather than being horrifying like it's supposed it's kind to be. of a Verhoeven moment in that regard i guess it's it's a little too little too not creepy i guess I right don't, i don't know how to describe it here's the thing dude is that i know he's invisible and all but the the rape scene still leaves evidence you know what i mean and the first people that the cops are going to check are the neighbors and if any researcher in the facility says anything about his proclivity or privaclations that's the word i'm looking for anything about his privaclations they would be able to track him down like that you know like what's the woman going to say when the cops ask her what he looked like I mean, she, she could got lie. raped by an invisible man. Now, it's probably what happens in a lot of cases. She doesn't say anything and nothing That's true. ever happens. That's so, true. That is true. Kevin Bacon gets away with it, it as it he probably had in the past. Here, though, man. Like, it's, a, it's just a fucking exploitation scene. But again, then there's yeah, another yeah. rape scene of her, like, dreaming, like Elizabeth Shue dreaming that he's trying to rape her. And I'm like, okay, again, you know that this guy is starting to exhibit signs of being insane, but you don't take these portable goggles 
goggles home with you that allow you to see infrared. You don't put any sort of infrared <laughs> cameras around the fucking building or, ar- I mean, even outside the facility, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're not going to have an infrared camera outside of the facility in order to see if any of your creatures got loose or whatever, you know, they just have, they don't even talk about like exterior security cameras. The one thing the government doesn't know how to do is keep a low profile. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even if it's supposed to be a top secret building, there's fucking cameras everywhere on this abandoned facility and you're like oh gee i wonder what that is <laughs> like they aren't subtle at all yeah like there's there's a building in midtown manhattan that it used to be an at&t server building and i can't remember what its official title is now but it is a 25 story tall building but it doesn't have any windows it is completely yeah. windowless and it is obvious as fuck that that is the <laughs> nsa data center which is yeah. what it is <laughs> And I'm like, dude, that is, and there's hundreds of cameras everywhere. And there's for three blocks around, there's roadblocks and those like pop up barriers to keep people from driving through and gates and shit like that. And then if you're standing there, they don't want you taking pictures of it. I'm like, if I'm standing on the street, I can take pictures of whatever the fuck I want, you know? But like, my brother comes to visit and I show him this building and he starts taking pictures of it. And this fucking plainclothes guy walks up to us. He's like, hey, man, you can't take pictures of that. My brother's like, why? I'm on the public easement. That's the very definition of the first fucking amendment. (laughs) I can do whatever the fuck I want. And this guy's like, well, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, man, it's it's a government building. You shouldn't be doing that. You know, know, whatever. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, (laughs) because I know you're not just a concerned citizen. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you're some fucking jerk off in plain clothes, like trying to blend in with the crowd. And but that's my point though is it was shit like this it's like come on man you know a fucking camera somewhere a a thermal camera anywhere you know whatever even if it was me like bring the goggles home with you for christ's sake yeah but they don't want to believe that he's that crazy yeah they don't want to believe that he would cross that line (laughs) matt goes into trying to solve this problem about them not being able to bring him back right and he he does this whole thing and they have that gathering scene where they all gather in front of the monitor and it only gets up to 95 percent. but matt says the key to upping the stability is quote manipulating the radiation signature end quote and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doesn't it's it's one of those techno just make up some stuff man. just make it up whatever it doesn't matter this leads us into sebastian being really impatient right he's been there for 10 days and while this might be a side effect of the chemical affecting his brain as they said he's freaking out after only two weeks in quarantine wanting to rape everything in sight but oh wait you know what i take that back that's absolutely true to life people freak out when they're in quarantine for any yeah. amount of time <laughs> yeah <laughs> So one of the one of the best like I mean I know this movie's two thousand but one of the best like nineties technology moments in this is that he goes through like that fucking he walks out and he's he's invisible and he tells the nerd researcher that he just wants to walk around and like stretch his legs and he goes to that like pile of equipment in the corner and he pulls like this old PCI board out. <laughs> And a couple of leads and he walks yeah. back and like inserts this into the camera somehow and is able to loop yeah. a video even though it's being recorded to a VHS tape. And I'm like, I'm not sure how he did that exactly, yeah, especially with the well, PCI I- board look like a sound <laughs> card. <laughs> well, when the one character, when she finds out that he's been 
hiding this and looping the camera and everything. She pulls it out and it only has two leads. So that's right. enough to power it, maybe, right. but it's not connected anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't, they didn't go to engineering school. So <laughs> <Madison>. <laughs> Or can or consult anybody, yeah. but he had a yeah. sound card, a few wires, and a screwdriver, and he can loop a recording that's going to yeah. a videotape. But sure, he's brilliant. So now he's a fucking electrical engineer. Okay, <laughs> sure. Why does every woman in this movie, Paul, traipse around in front of their windows without much clothing on? Like in two of the key scenes, his next door neighbor and when he discovers that Matt is sleeping with his ex, they are walking yeah. around with the minimum amount lights, of clothing on. Lights on. Lights on. Window open. Shades open. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Let like, see. Yeah. but he's he's standing outside the window right and the window gets cracked as elizabeth shoe and josh brolin are making out on their bed right window shatters matt looks outside seeing you can see the fire escape ladder is shaking as he's like running down it as being invisible he sees this very clear path that the fire escape ladder is down there's something underneath the fire escape ladder for him to get up on the fire escape ladder and he knows that he's been getting out so he looks out and he's just like oh it's nothing i'm like you fucking idiot like nothing that shattered my window (laughs) i couldn't see anything so obviously nothing happened it must have just been a shattering window and he doesn't have any concern about this and i'm just like dude how fucking stupid like this is bad writing number one but number two this is just flat out stupidity on everybody's part that made this movie. I'm like, you can see that this is obviously a route that he took. But once they know that he's getting out, I don't mean to belabor this point, but why don't they take the fucking goggles home with them? You know what I mean? <laughs> It'd be so much easier than her like mm. throwing the sheet around trying to find where he is in the apartment if he's in the apartment. Just take the goddamn goggles home. I mean, it's uh, you gotta like write a whole sheet of paper that says you're checking <laughs> the goggles out of the facility and you gotta do the inventory. It's a lot of work, dude. Not to mention that the goggles are just welding goggles with a red tinted plate <laughs> some lights inside of it. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, they've got the lights to to let you know that it's working. It's yeah, obviously advanced tech here. <laughs> but the the elevator asks for authorization every time, right? You have to scan your thumbprint and you have to say a voice command. So wouldn't it be easy enough to just revoke that for him, or at least check the logs to see if he's actually out? Because it's the only way in and out of the facility. But they, yeah. even when they think that it's going to be a problem and they're worried about him being around, they don't bother shutting off the elevator for his fuck command you know what i mean like come on guys this is the one exit the one exit man and they don't fucking do anything about it they just want to believe that he's a good guy (laughs) he he will listen to them and stay inside you know they're super paranoid and they have cameras on them 24 7 (laughs) but they think that's enough yeah well obviously it's not enough but This leads us to dumb fuck moment number one. (laughs) Matt and Elizabeth just briefed the boss on the situation. Invisible man going nuts, doesn't want to stay in quarantine, etc., etc. Boss picks up the phone, realizes the phone line is cut. So he goes outside to look for what? An invisible man? Like, what's he looking around for exactly? And on top of that, instead of being concerned and going back in his house, he stands by his pool and decides that he's going to light his fucking pipe outside (laughs) 
just stay <laughs> leisure about it. And of course, he blows smoke to reveal the jump moment oh, of the movie. Shoot. Oh my God, he's right there. He drowns him. So this dude, like seriously, this visual effects work still holds up, man. Like the 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 drowning scene in the pool, it still looks good, man. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw how they did like water textures and shit like that. They basically painted Kevin Bacon completely flat matte black in these scenes and then just mm-hmm. overlit everything so that way they could see in the raindrops dripping over his body and then huh. they just remove the super dark section of the frame meaning him it's pretty <laughs> smart actually yeah. and i was like it looks good you can still see it in this movie it looks pretty fucking good the pool scene is like an excellent example of the visual effects work on this we move on to <laughs> the nerd of course knows how to hack of course and by hack i mean type in a password into a 3d gui that allows him to see a skeletal structure of the elevator he's not actually hacking <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those classic things in early movies where they visualize hacking and because nobody knows what hacking yeah. actually looks like and like war games is like the chief fucking like <laughs> violator of this shit when they're like doing the first person like game like walking through yeah. the maze and shit and i'm like oh that's hacking oh shit yeah that yeah, looks dope yeah. <laughs> looks like doom looks like the original doom game yeah yeah so they wait until this moment three quarters of the way through the movie to grab their goggles finally they grab their goggles yeah and they grab their guns and they're gonna go hunt for them in the place but they leave the black girl janice behind because of course the black girl has to die first well actually she just turns around because she forgot something and runs back to get it yeah but none of them bother checking to make sure that they have their group it's not like there's 30 people it's only five fucking people in this facility but they can't be bothered to turn around and make sure that she's okay i mean it's not like there's an invisible psychotic man running around the place (laughs) (laughs) but whatever Um. but something something that i found extremely offensive in this scene paul is that she gets left to die and the sound edit that they use between her screams and the next scene of them realizing she's not behind them is they edit her screams with the sound of chimps screaming in the other scene i'm like dude seriously i don't remember that go back and watch it it is literally a black woman screams for her life and the next sound that you hear is that sound morphing into chimps screaming on the other side and they're like oh did you hear something blah 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 or whatever the fuck that they said but it's like extremely offensive in so many ways but whatever i'm not going to concentrate on that too much but (laughs) why why do matt and the Backstreet Boy wait until they are down the long hallway to finally put on their masks. Like they leave the containment room, the facility, and they walk all the way down this long hallway because he's like, oh, he's in sector six or whatever. And they don't put on their goggles. And I'm like, okay, yes, the the motion detectors are saying that he's in sector six, but put the fucking things on so you can see what you're doing as you're walking down the hallway. But they wait (laughs) until they get all the way there in order to put it on. But then of course they get to the steam vent and mistake it for some Sebastian, so they remove their goggles because they're like, oh, these things are fucking useless. (laughs) Come on, man. Just put the goddamn goggles on. (laughs) Just keep them on. Just keep them on. It's simple. But this leads us to the scene where the Backstreet Boy dies in a satisfyingly gruesome fashion. I like that. I like that that moment. The fact they draw it out even longer by, you know, the vet lady is like, I'll save you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
twitching on the ground with his brains <laughs> hanging out. Yeah, yeah no. Classic, yeah. classic Verhoeven. Yeah, there is at least that part. So the Backstreet Boy falls and he crushes his skull in a satisfyingly gruesome fashion. Then Matt still refuses to put on his goggles as he continues to fire haphazardly into the steam cloud. Like steam cloud moves in like a billowing fashion because it's a fucking (laughs) cloud. A human being will move in ways that steam won't and you'll see the steam move. So if you put the goggles on, you might be able to see something moving through the steam and shoot at the motherfucker rather than sit there and wait for him to come out of the cloud with your bare eyes yeah. hoping you'll see an invisible man running towards you he's a terrible shot in this movie josh brolin he's just yeah awful. he's awful <laughs> i don't think but, he hits anything once does he no he shoots a lot too but no he just constantly kind of misses yeah <laughs> yeah throughout throughout this this moment this last sequence they keep talking about how the steam happens to be the same temperature as him even though steam isn't the same temperature as the human body <laughs> And there are a fuck ton of vents everywhere, dude. Everywhere in the hallway, there's hundreds of vents just spewing out the shit. And I'm like, okay, Kevin Bacon's character somehow hijacked a steam pipe, piped it into the fucking heating ducts in order to know that this was going to throw him off. And he knew how (laughs) many heating ducts were in the fucking building. Well, I got to go on a little rant here because infrared... Every material has its own, it's called emissivity, emissivity, and it describes how much infrared energy it puts out at a certain temperature. Everything is different. So if you have like metal walls, concrete, and right. a human body, even if they're the same temperature, which they imply that everything is because of the steam in the air, mm-hmm. you would still see a vastly different picture between all of those materials. And so his whole steam trick wouldn't work in the end. <laughs> it would be just, just bullshit. I'm going to pull down my pants and shit on that idea right now. <laughs> so... In, in this moment, Paul, Sebastian shuts the blast doors, right? As Matt is trying to get away. Which, side note, why do they need these to exist in a lab? <laughs> like, why do they need these blast doors? But I was hoping that someone would get cut in half by them or something cool yeah. like that. But it doesn't yeah, they happen. they never get there. It sucks. Maybe it's a, it's a reference to Star Wars. I sure hope Close not. Bastard. But Elizabeth Shue's character continues to tell Matt a play-by-play of where Sebastian is in the hallway so that way Matt could know. But I don't know, maybe he could just put on his goggles because this exact hallway know. next to the blast door doesn't have any fucking steam vents or any vents <laughs> at all. He just put on his goggles and she's telling him, like, oh, he's right there, he's right on top of you. But it's a good thing. A good thing, Paul, because he just happens to pipe steam into the entire facility, but it only is in these fucking hallways. It's not in any of the rooms that they go into. There's no steam coming out of any of the vents in any of the other rooms that they're in. <laughs> Brush that aside for a second. You know, yeah, the, end, the ending of this movie, the ending of this movie, if, if you want to point at anything that's the problem with this movie, it's the ending. The last 25 minutes of this movie are so fucking dumb. And it turns into this really <laughs> bad slasher flick. Honestly, I think it's the best part of the movie. Why? Because because you finally get to see some violence? Yeah, yeah. Finally get to get the payoff of a Verhoeven movie, you know? There's enough blood, I guess, to... (laughs) Could have been more violent, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Rather than just straight up kill Matt when he's at the blast doors, he goes on this long monologue, just long enough for Shu to run (laughs) all the way down there and open the blast doors and pull him out of harm's way. Not to mention that he's standing right on top of the man, and she 
opens these blast doors and closes them without Kevin Bacon being able to, I don't know, jump onto the other side <laughs> of the blast door. Sarah runs up and she sees the Backstreet Boy bleeding to death and she tries to help him and says, oh, no, 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 I need to go get blood. I need to go get blood. You know, he's bleeding out, blah, 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 blah. I can't stay with him. He's going to bleed out. But again, this is a animal research facility. Why would they have giant bags of human blood? <laughs> Of the right Liter- blood type. Literally yeah, gallons um, of the right blood type. And these bags are huge, dude. Uh, like yeah. these are I don't know. Maybe they're bags. doing maybe they're using the blood as their their research material, you know, before <laughs> they tested on an actual human they tested on blood to make the blood invisible so they just need uh, what 60 gallons of human <laughs> blood just sitting around <laughs> sure but it's got to be fresh too you can't just like obviously keep that you know it doesn't stay in the refrigerator and keep <laughs> for very long it, you have to use it real fast yeah yeah, so, yeah. She throws the blood around in front of her. And and at first, this scene kind of comes off as being like somewhat smart, even if you can get over the blood or even the, the blood existing or the amount of blood existing. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, she throws the blood around and she can see where he's stepping. But she's not all the way into a corner of a room. She's like in the middle of a room and she doesn't put any blood behind her. So she's like expecting that she, number one, outran <laughs> the invisible guy. And number two, yeah. that no nothing's going to come from behind her. She's yeah. so cocksure of herself. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> the 360 degree room, whatever. He kills her. Fine. That's kind of a cool sequence when he gets sprayed with the blood and he's like this bloody, like invisible man thing, yeah. like hanging over. That's cool. I don't Frank, get how he becomes unbloody in the next scene. I don't get that either. I mean, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Did he go take a shower and he got rid of the blood? Because uh, blood is hard to wash off, especially yeah. that amount of blood. Like you have to do a lot of scrubbing in order <laughs> to get that off. Shower. Yeah. <laughs> They leave Frank, the the nerdy research guy, to spray the fire extinguisher into the blood room, which incidentally doesn't have any steam grates in it, like I said before. He's spraying the fire extinguisher along just long enough for him to be pierced by a giant crowbar behind him. And again, this is a primate and animal research facility. Why do they need a four-foot-long breaker bar? <laughs> in this facility i don't know actually you know if they're ordering a bunch of really expensive equipment it usually comes in wooden crates and so a breaker bar crowbar would actually be a requirement for like it would just be like a little flat bar though man if they need to open a crate maybe kevin bacon really likes excessively large crowbars (laughs) and so he ordered that instead of the regular size one you never know okay sure So Bacon somehow locks them in the walk-in freezer, even though they always have an interior handle and a door release in case the door handle doesn't work. Regardless, somehow this super freezing freezer doesn't have either one of these safety features. So he locks them in the walk-in freezer and says goodbye through the very obvious single pane glass door. You know, in my in my in my work, actually, I'll interrupt you for a second. We had a walk-in freezer and it had this emergency release latch but that broke (laughs) and so if the door closed behind you you could actually get stuck in there 
and it was really scary going That's to that terrifying. freezer every time. <laughs> it was like that yeah. for like a couple of weeks. Yeah, kind of an OSHA violation right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> OSHA violations. Startup companies, man. You gotta <laughs> live loose, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, sure. But, you know, he, he says goodbye through the window and she has the crowbar on her side, but she waits for a really long time to try to use the crowbar on the window. Even if she knew it was plastic, which it ends up being a plastic window, her first instinct should have been crowbar window start bashing the living fuck out of it you know what i mean but she doesn't do that she sits around and she attends to matt and she sees the giant wound on his side and she sticks her fingers inside of his wound to see if it hit any organs and i'm like okay so number one if it's like a huge traumatic wound like that even if it did hit an organ there's nothing you can do about that shit your number one priority is keeping pressure on it and closing that motherfucker to try to keep him from bleeding out but she jams her fingers into his wound in order to presumably feel his liver, his pancreas, whatever. I can't remember what side it's on. And I'm like, it's a huge wound, man. Like you can see into his fucking chest cavity. So why not just look at it? You know, like <laughs> why do you need to shove your fingers into his body in order to see this shit? Maybe it's just the Verhoeven, you know, over yeah, ridiculous violent thing. I so, like the duct tape. I like what she does. She duct tapes him up. That seemed yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Makes sense. So, I don't know if you could do that in real life, but... Uh, but why is there duct like tape in a super freezer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem like the kind of place you... <laughs> Put duct tape, Keep duck, but yeah. whatever. Somehow locks him in. She attends to Matt, touches his liver, whatever. The freezer is confusing because it has duct tape and a giant external thermometer, like an exterior thermometer inside of the freezer, just in case you need to know how cold the inside of the freezer is, which you would never need to know from the inside of the freezer. Like you could use the exterior thermometer, but beyond all that. So it's a verification for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have but, two measurements sometimes. Here's a real question here. Why does Kevin Bacon take the time to get dressed and put on his face instead of just leaving while invisible? Like they're in there, you know, as far as he knows, there's no way for them to get out. <laughs> he could have just left. They're locked out of the elevator anyway. He could have just left and nobody would check on him for days. They even say that they don't have a follow-up procedure on if they don't, they don't check in. They don't have any sort of people to come by in order to check on them. So yeah. he knows all this, but he takes the time to take a shower and like put on his face and fucking even put on makeup on the mask in order to give himself some eyebrows or some shit whatever the fuck he was doing there and get dressed in his suit and i'm like oh this is great just, you know just in case we need to run out the ticking clock and have an actual showdown with these two people <laughs> he's allowing the screenwriter to do that there for you him. Well, I mean, he wants to drive his car out. He can't leave his Porsche behind. He could do that invisible, dude. Well, then it would draw attention to himself because the, <laughs> the security guard at the top is always watching. If the if the Porsche starts driving away by itself with no one in it, <laughs> it might raise suspicions. So he's going for the, uh, everything's fine. I'm sure. just going out for a little uh, jaunt. Right. <laughs> But she waits until this moment, several minutes later, in order to try the glass window with the crowbar. She finally realizes, oh, I have a thing that I can bash this with. And she starts trying to bash it. And of course, <laughs> it's plastic. And it's like, oh, my God, the tragedy. But at the same time, she waited for like several minutes to try this one door in order to try to get out. There's only one way out. And she waits several minutes to try to get out. Again, for screenwriting purposes. But this freezer chills down faster than any freezer in the <laughs> 
basically a freezer. <laughs> yeah. They they cut to that thermometer on the inside uh, and it drops 30 degrees in a matter of seconds. And I'm like, they've been in there for several minutes. Wouldn't this already be at like absolute zero if it's dropping that quickly? Yeah, yeah, Fucking sure. ridiculous. It's got a it's got a real nice thing. Of course, you can see like the compressor running and she never yeah. thinks they never think Bash to unplug. The- <laughs> <laughs> they never think to un <laughs> yeah. there's yeah. another scene that happens where he puts nitroglycerin in, in the a centrifuge, centrifuge. Yeah. and to make a time bomb but they just like look at it they're, they're like no we gotta run there's no yeah. time like, there's no time to it. plug it yeah for sure that was one of my notes here but speaking of freezers paul this leads uh-huh. me to my sandwich beef this week okay oh, so man. my sandwich beef is another one that doesn't have to do anything specifically with this movie because nobody eats a sandwich in this movie or any food whatsoever in this movie but i want to talk about he have a i thought he had a sandwich while he was invisible no no not that i remember oh, but right. anyway one of my favorite delis in new york was the carnegie deli okay it was right next to carnegie hall it was better than cats in that their sandwiches were bigger cheaper and the pastrami wasn't as goddamn dry as cats's fucking pastrami but i digress carnegie deli is no longer around they closed after 79 years in business in 2016 they were famous because their monstrously large sandwiches while the rye bread that they had was normal sized each sandwich was stacked with about eight inches of a pile of meat right it's just a fucking pile of meat eight inches thick they stacked this shit on (laughs) and for and for 20 bucks you could eat like a goddamn king and drench your sandwich in any number of a jus mustard or kraut or whatever you wanted that was all right next door to sandwich makings right their reuben was straight up the best reuben i've ever eaten period bar none it was a staple of new york and a true new york city institution it was closed for almost a year because there was an illegal gas hookup that they had to investigate that it took them a fucking year to investigate but whatever And the owner had a very public divorce after the wife caught the husband having an affair with the hostess and slipping her cash, mm. slipping her cash, the pink one, and pastrami recipes, dude. This guy <laughs> was giving her pastrami recipes, but whatever. The deli was further fucked by a $2.6 million lawsuit and back wages during the labor dispute of that year. All this is to say the best deli in New York closed because the owner couldn't keep his fucking meat in his pants and now I can't stuff their meat in my gullet. Today, the Carnegie Deli is gone (laughs) and the building is still a six-story tall apartment complex. The rich developer named... Gary Barnett brought the air rights above the building to keep the view open for his building on on Broadway, on 1710 Broadway. It's a true ignominious end to a legend of a fucking place in New York City. So I just got to say, this sandwich beef leads me to fuck you, Gary Barnett, and fuck <laughs> you, Sandy Levine, for having an affair with Panke Sorocciniero, or however the fuck you say her name, and killing one of my most loved sandwiches in the fucking city. So fuck you, you piece of shit. Well, maybe Panke can start her own pastrami place. With yeah, the, now that he gave her the fucking recipe. What yeah. the fuck is that, dude? He gives her money, slips her the quick one, and gives her pastrami recipes? Like, that's weird. <laughs> But that's it. That's like livelihood, man. Pastrami yeah. recipes passed yeah. down. He was already a fucking like he was already the grandson of the guy that started it. I'm like, dude, yeah. you're giving away your grandfather's fucking pastrami recipe to some girl that's a fucking hostess. I digress. Let's get Romantic. back. Into, let's get back into this movie. Don't you want? <laughs> don't you talk about pastrami's and corned beef with your wife in bed? Yeah, that get. Oh, dude, it's like it's all. It's like it's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. 
when Frank is like banging Artemis and they're like shoving the lettuce in each other's mouths. <laughs> so weird. She was unhappy of how I used the bun from a Wendy's hamburger the other day. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this. Kevin Bacon is now making sulfuric acid nitroglycerin bombs in his spare time as he's trying to get the hell out of there. So somehow yeah. Shu makes an electromagnet from a defibrillator which sends out electrical pulses <laughs> contingent on electrical resistance caused by human skin but she's able to just like hotwire this thing and create a fucking electromagnetic handle slide the fucking thing open and get out but kevin bacon <laughs> makes a fucking centrifuge bomb and what does he do after he makes the centrifuge bomb he breaks the keyboard in half because the centrifuge doesn't have a plug that plugs into the wall <laughs> foolproof bomb kevin bacon no one could possibly deactivate this you know in my favorite movie of the late 90s with steven seagal under siege 2 is <laughs> a scene like that right where the the super villain he has the like the satellite set up to blow up uh, washington dc and the whole eastern seaboard and it's running from his laptop and everything <laughs> and steven seagal looks at him and he's like oh there's no way i can turn that off huh and then he shoots him through the laptop and he dies and <laughs> breaks the laptop and <laughs> <laughs> the satellite goes offline or whatever i'm like ah, classic yeah, classic, classic. See, that's how you deal with that shit right there. for sure man <laughs> but of course there's a giant canister of flammable liquid that's under pressure that she can just happen to weaponize into a flamethrower because of course why wouldn't they have this fucking thing in the fucking research facility oh well, i mean they have all the makings of nitroglycerin in there why not have some <laughs> uh oh matt i don't know what that was i guess butane or something whatever it was <laughs> But this 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 area of the hallway just happens to not have any steam grates either. So that way she can see him with the goggles and spray him. You know, no big deal. I don't know about this facility specifically, but I would think that a facility with this much flammable explosive stuff around would have a wouldn't have a water based fire suppression system that they might, I don't know, have like a halon system or something like that. Something yeah. that has toxic gas that can suck oxygen out of the room. But they have a fucking water system because, of course, they have a water system. So that way they can fucking set it off and see his like water drenched body wandering around matt shows up as she's getting strangled by kevin bacon he's got her foot his foot on her and he hits he hits kevin bacon over the head with a giant crowbar but then throws the crowbar down right next to his unconscious body <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, Zombieland said it best in saying like rule number 23 or whatever it was and said the double tap. If you're unsure, make sure you hit him again. That way you know that they're dead. <laughs> But when, mm -hmm. when Kevin Bacon wakes up, he doesn't even have to crawl to get to the crowbar, dude. He literally wakes out, wakes up, reaches his hand out arm's length and picks up the crowbar, arming himself again. And I'm like, oh, good, good. Yeah, good job, pal. So new segment, hack attack. This is the hackiest shit in the movie. Some bad filmmaking shit that's just terrible. So here it is. In open, high voltage electrical box at working height with a glass door in front of the fuses. <laughs> Kevin Bacon just happens to swing his crowbar in the exact place that it is diverted into the fucking glass and his metal crowbar comes into contact with the high voltage panel. He screams out and does his little shake and bake thing for a little while. But guess what? When you get hit with voltage of that propensity, you don't scream. <laughs> you just lock up and a part of your body blows out, whether it's your heart or your arm blows off or whatever, 
something horrible happens to the human body with high voltage. It's, you're literally cooking from the inside. You know, sure, why not? He gets electrocuted, he falls over. <laughs> not to mention that he breaks free of the circuit somehow, you know, which is another thing about high voltage electricity is that you aren't going to break free of the circuit. You're going to be locked onto that motherfucker yeah. until you are a crispy critter. <laughs> this leads us to the giant fireball scene. There's a giant fire <laughs> raging in the lab, Paul, but there's no oh, fire suppression system in the main area of the lab. Yeah, the biggest part of the lab things. has no fucking fire <laughs> suppression system. <laughs> but sure, it doesn't activate, whatever. Matt says, don't touch the centrifuge to Elizabeth's shoe because it's nitro. <laughs> he sees the sulfuric acid, does his little deduction thing and realizes that kevin bacon made a nitro bomb so number one nitro isn't that volatile that if you touch it that it will explode okay that's not how nitro works not to mention the previous scene that you just saw he fills up the little glass vial with the nitro and he throws it with no problems of it exploding in midair until it <laughs> fucking lands and blows up into flames which is another thing that i didn't understand nitroglycerin doesn't explode into flames yeah, it's not yeah. napalm it doesn't work that way yeah nitro we're just going to have to ignore all those problems. With the <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing, dude, that they got to the ticking clock of the centrifuge just before the amount of time that they need to climb through the elevator hatch and halfway up the elevator shaft. It just happens to be that exact amount of time. So they crawl halfway up the fucking elevator through the fucking elevator hatch, which seems like a huge security problem, by the way, if it's like fingerprint, voice identification, the hatch is unlocked. Like if you know anything about about elevators the hatch from the inside is locked you cannot get out of a fucking elevator if it's jammed in a fucking shaft they did that because people would get out and the elevator would turn back on and they'd be crushed or cut in half it's a fucking <laughs> problem so they leave mm. it so that way only rescuers can come in from the top and open the hatch but beyond that beyond the security violation beyond the obvious shit that's absolutely unreal they climb they climb halfway up the fucking elevator shaft and the fucking nitro bomb explodes <laughs> and it is a michael bay sized explosion rips through the facility and things are blowing up into blue flames and orange flames and red flames and yellow flames and this has enough fucking concussion to it that it propels the elevator up the shaft uh, like past them <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> past them and come shooting back down only to have the emergency braking system fuck up enough that it jams the elevator sideways in the fucking <laughs> shaft. So, okay, barring all of that, besides the fact that the flame ball would cause that entire elevator shaft to turn into an inferno if it was this fucking concussive. <sighs> <laughs> Lo and behold, Kevin Bacon is somehow still alive after suffering a lethal dose of electricity, getting flamethrower roasted so his clothes stuck to him in third degree burns and is now propelled up by the elevator, presum presumably. Was he in the goddamn elevator when it blew up and it yeah. shot him up into the air? Like how the fuck did he whatever doesn't matter <laughs> so they have the scene at the end where she's kissing him and she's using it to distract him so that way she can stomp down on a supposed release mechanism for the fucking cabling of the elevator this doesn't exist on elevators <laughs> quick release yeah quick release yeah <laughs> But she somehow sees this quick release just in case you need to quick release an elevator. 
She stomps on it and lands Kevin Bacon into an awaiting flame ball that still hasn't heated up the elevator shaft that they're standing in. And while Bacon's falling, his slow motion, no. (laughs) It's one of those moments that you're just like, oh God, not the slow motion. No, please, no. (laughs) But all of this physical activity of Matt crawling up the fucking elevator shaft, dodging out of the way of falling and launching elevators, fighting back, trying to get Kevin Bacon off of his woman. But he still has this gaping hole in the side of him, including several core necessary exertions that just don't bother him with this fucking four-inch gash in the side of him. He got duct taped. He's fine. He's all good, yeah. Yeah. You know, side note, my my dad got in a really bad accident where he had to have exploratory surgery where they cut open his stomach from his sternum all the way to his groin because they thought he was bleeding internally and uh my dad it was like this 18 inch long scar that had like 57 staples or some shit in it in order to keep him closed when he was recovering but my dad for a better part of two years after that accident had trouble going upstairs because when you walk upstairs it actually engages your core in order for you to lean forward and lift your leg and push up on that leg and my dad had a really hard time with that and i'm like oh sure yeah he has this four inch gaping hole in his abdomen but he can just run around, go up ladders, whatever. But, you know, I mean, barring like some miraculous adrenaline fix that's allowing him to do all this shit, this can't possibly be real. <laughs> but it's about an invisible man, Gabe. I mean, <laughs> you're just going to have to let that guy go. <laughs> This movie has the quickest ending I've ever seen in a Hollywood no, movie, yeah. period. Like Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shue kiss on the fucking ladder. And then the next shot is, is this crane shot leading them out of the front door. The police put them in the ambulance and they drive off and roll credits. Literally 90 seconds is how long <laughs> it takes to end this movie from Kevin Bacon dying yeah. to them actually rolling credits. 90 seconds. I appreciate credits. that, honestly. I mean, I just There's <laughs> nothing else to say about the the characters they're empty (laughs) characters there's nothing nothing to explore i guess they could go back and show josh brolin and what's her name getting married having an invisible (laughs) child or something like that oh dude that would be wild (laughs) an invisible child birth scene yeah where you see like the vagina stretch open (laughs) man Because you know that like, Paul oh, Beardover- shit, Kevin Bacon did get in there. Yeah. After all, it wasn't a dream. Shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, like an after credit scene. And you know Verhoeven would show every detail of that, too. <laughs> that would be a shocking ending, dude. But no, this is Hollywood at its finest. <laughs> white guy walks away with the white girl at the end. They're going to be okay because the psychotic ex-boyfriend is now out of their lives. But, you know, this is a four-year-long project once again. Like, how do they explain this to the Pentagon, you know, after all this is done? Oh, yeah, sorry, we kind of blew up your lab and lost all the research. <laughs> like, what an uncomfortable no, conversation. They're probably going to go to prison, Oh actually, yeah, when all <laughs> said is done. For or their sure. careers are at least over. I mean, <laughs> But, hey, you know what? Josh Brolin got Elizabeth Shue. That's all that matters is that they, they walked away happy, and that's what everyone in Hollywood likes to see is the happy ending. I'm so, very satisfied. 
Yeah, you were set. You know, dude, the first time I saw this movie, I really wanted to like it because I like Paul Verhoeven, even his bad movies. I like, you know, like Starship Troopers has enough gore and violence to keep me entertained. And Showgirls is fucking weird as shit. And there's so much nudity in that movie. It's ridiculous. You know, like every one of his movies has something that I can latch on to. But like this movie, I'm bored for yeah. 99% of this movie. And it's really quite surprising, actually, how he made an absolutely boring movie i guess he was going for kind of quiet thriller type movie but it just didn't work fortunately the characters you don't really give a shit about them <laughs> so it doesn't. i just i don't understand maybe he just wanted the rape scene and that's everything else is padding is. around it yeah 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 you know i mean i don't understand structuring your whole movie around this guy that's just like a fucking rapist you know like he's he's irritating he's not even like charismatic enough in order for you to like care about him in some sort of way that he's not like just a maverick researcher that's like a fucking house or whatever that's like no fuck you let me show you how this is done you know it's not even like that he's just a fucking asshole all throughout this movie and putting your entire movie around a guy like that and a bunch of ancillary characters that are just irritating and stupid i'm like no wonder this movie failed man like i i couldn't if i if i wasn't telling you that we were going to watch this movie this week i couldn't recommend it to anybody to actually watch because it's a fucking useless movie yeah even the visual see i would have rather i would have rather just bitched about or listened to you bitch about starship (laughs) troopers and then told you about how amazing that movie is uh, well i mean you wanted this movie hey you know i (laughs) i thought it would be entertaining in order to look at this movie again because of in light of the recent invisible man remake coming out you know you gotta you gotta see it dude like i like the new invisible man a lot you know the the director of the new invisible man lay winnell he is famous because he was the co-writer of saw back in the day like that's where he launched his career was that he wrote saw with uh with what's his nuts james wan the director And like he only got his directorial debut like started a couple years ago with this movie called uh, Upgrade, and that's a dope. Oh movie, man, actually. I love that movie. Actually, it's a that's dope movie, great. dude. Yeah, but he did Upgrade, and now he did the studio picture, which is The Invisible Man. And you, you got to see. You call movie. a Bloomhouse movie a studio picture? I mean, uh... Yeah, I mean it's still Universal. I mean it was released through right. Universal. Yeah, before, I guess so. So and plus it's like it's like forty five million or whatever that the new. Oh one wow. Was. I figured on, it would so be way little, cheaper. It's a little higher. It's a lot of movie. That's a lot of movie for a Bloom House. Yeah, it's know. two movies. That's two Bloom House <laughs> movies, if not three. It's it's really good, dude. Like the the style is there. Lay Winnell's style works for the movie. It's intense. It's well directed, and it's pretty well written and acted too. Yeah. And like it, it departs so severely from the Claude Rains original movie from 1933 that it's its own thing, but still is like kind of referential to the original and i dug yeah. that a lot i'm like that hmm. that's how you do a remake man like you know still do your own thing but make sure that it's rooted back in what made the original classic which is psychosis you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> going into next week paul uh i don't i don't think you have anything else to say about hollow man <laughs> i don't know it's uh I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't know how so, else to describe. How, how do you how do you feel about this being a Paul Verhoeven movie? Like in in everything that is in his career, like especially since this is his follow up yeah. to Starship Troopers. Like, how do you feel about it? 
I could feel the the Verhoeven in it in that it's really violent and there's a lot of sexual violence and nudity. Yeah. So it feels like a Verhoeven, but then it's not it's not over the top enough or yeah. it doesn't have the like the satire that yeah. is in a lot of his really good bad movies. Yeah. Like Robocop <laughs> and, and uh Starship Troopers. So right. I don't know. It yeah. it misses the mark. Yeah. things it, it does it really misses the mark and it's like it's really unfortunate because i i like beerhoven you know but this is this is probably the one movie that he's done that i don't give a shit if i ever watch it again you know what i mean like yeah. i never have to revisit this it's so fucking stupid even with the visual effects as they are like i've said before they're brilliant but like even that you know it's not enough for me to have to sit through this no. fucking thing again no. it's just a bad movie i think it could have been a lot better if the you know ancillary characters had something interesting going for them and maybe kevin bacon was you know the yeah he needed something else besides just being an asshole i don't know (laughs) maybe just showing that he was a decent person enough but then the power of the invisibility corrupts him to the point where he's redeemable yeah i mean that's the character that's the character shift that you don't get in this movie is that he was an asshole before and a fucking weirdo like sexually before and an egotist and like you don't see any sort of character development with him like shifting into the insanity and like you just don't it doesn't give you anything in that and he like he bashes the dog and like whips it around and whatnot and right there you know you've already lost your audience like to kill a dog you need to deserve that it just doesn't need to be the shock moment because if he started out as being this kind empathetic like researcher toward the creatures and like let the power go to his head and then the chemical went to his head and he killed the dog that's so much more shocking but I, I, I could believe that Kevin Bacon would kill the dog even prior to taking the fucking drug you know what I mean I could see him yeah, doing it. if he could get away with it I think that's the whole yeah. point I don't know maybe this is a a warning about white privilege and consequences <laughs> or you know foretelling the me too movement i'm yeah. sure that paul verhoven had that in mind when he was doing this movie. it wasn't just that he got to see That's like brilliant. sexual violence and violence is that he uh he was foreshadowing what he saw coming sure but dear listeners that was hollow man paul verhoven's really really terrible dark spot on his career <laughs> I really wish that he could have taken his name off of this. I know that he thought he was doing something special because of the visual effects, but in retrospect, you know, at least it didn't kill anybody's career like it did with uh, Showgirls, how it killed what's her name's oh, wait. career. Didn't uh, Paul Verhoeven retire after this? No. Like a he's forced still, retirement? He's wait, still no. directing, dude. Strong, strong directing after this, mm-hmm. too. He's really coming to his own after making these like schlocky movies in the 90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s. But anyway, so going into next week, Paul, have you, uh, have you wandered across anything recently? recently that you think would be uh, an interesting thing to take down or something that you want to revisit I, d- I don't want to do starship troopers right away i would like to revisit uh, that but we no. already did Verhoeven, so i don't want to i want to do the uh will ferrell one on netflix oh eurovision eurovision i haven't seen it yet dude <laughs> i feel like you could hate that movie <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, i actually enjoyed it a lot it uh, really? has a lot of uh has a lot of good iceland inside references and stuff like hmm. that You're well right. i haven't been to iceland so you'd have to oh, you'd have to explain yeah. the inside references to me right. maybe you should check that out i'll watch that i'll watch that and check it out because it's got my second wife in it but um you got any good uh adam sandler movies we could shit on <laughs> or something like that <laughs> 
You know, I fucking hate The Water Boy with everything in me. Like, that's one of the few movies <laughs> that people love that I absolutely hate. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's a really fucking bad one. He's just annoying in that movie. And I'm like, I, I no, know that that was just stick. <laughs> <laughs> There's Six Underground. I could rant on Michael Bay for forever with that shit. <laughs> could do that or Armageddon or... <laughs> <laughs> maybe do uh six underground i'd watch that you check that, that out yeah, yeah let's do six underground and then uh and then maybe we can circle back and we can do a david lynch movie like a racer head you know because yeah. I, I fucking hate that movie <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know how you feel about that movie like do you do you like that movie or is it just another whatever <sighs> uh fucking lynch movie that you don't understand well i mean that's the whole point of that movie isn't it yeah that you don't get <laughs> you it don't, you don't get it <laughs> uh I would have to watch it again. It's been a long time and it, I don't, I remember some uh, baby weird fucking alien child thing. <laughs> I don't remember too much. Weird girl with like puffy cheeks singing songs in the yeah. air conditioner or something. <laughs> That's all I remember from that you movie. You know, you're, you're probably going to hate me when I say this, but like I've had a problem with the fifth element for years. Oh man, I love that movie. <laughs> love that movie <laughs> yeah i could do that one that would be a fun one to do <laughs> there's well, so much good stuff in that movie and if you hate it see i think i think we get a good balance if you especially hate it and then i can try to deflect all your hatred <laughs> with a bunch of inane arguments and things like that <laughs> you know dear listeners thank you for joining us once again that was uh hollow man i keep wanting to call it the invisible man but it's not it's hollow man it's a terrible terrible <laughs> terrible movie once again thank you for joining us this is movie dicks i'm gabriel chavez and i am paul shando <laughs> thanks for joining us guys <laughs> <laughs>